0: N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash W-T-F. Lock the gates! <laughs> all right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck nicks? What's happening? Hi. You all right? I'm Mark Maron. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. We've had a great run of shows. I hope you're enjoying yourself outside of the in memoriam shows which are also great but uh have sad intent they're not intended to be sad that's maybe not the right word the the reason that they're re-showcased is sad loss is sad and it's part of life i I don't want to be negative look man today david chase is on the show and um obviously many of you know him from the uh The Sopranos, he was the creator of The Sopranos, one of the greatest television shows ever. And before that, he was a TV writer on many shows, including The Rockford Files, Northern Exposure. But as you'll find in our conversation, in his heart, he always wanted to be a filmmaker. And now is his time. Well, he's made a movie or two. But this he wrote the script that for the movie coming out now that he was supposed to direct, but he, he he couldn't. Uh, we 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 chat about that. We chat about that. But he he wrote the script for the new movie, The Many Saints of Newark, which uh, deals with the characters from The Sopranos in the late '60s, and it's it's great. It's it's if especially if you love The Sopranos, if you know The Sopranos, and you know those characters, to see these actors doing them when they were younger men is really a, a treat. And uh, Gandolfini's kid plays Gandolfini plays Tony, and he's he's tremendous. I think you'll enjoy it. So I talked to him in a bit. Who didn't fucking love that, that show, though? I think it was the second season of GLOW where I, when I wasn't shooting, which was a lot, I watched the entire run, every episode of The Sopranos, on my phone. I couldn't stop. Because I remember, I'm old enough to remember when The Sopranos aired on HBO, and... And it was in my recollection, it was the first time where you like every Sunday you kind of there was a few shows that HBO was doing before streaming where it actually gave your week some sort of meaning. Like it gave you something to look forward to, depending what you did with your life or maybe you were excited every day. I think the ones that really got people doing that were probably Six Feet Under, Mad Men and The Sopranos, where, you know, Sunday night, you're like, you got home to to watch it. It was it, it was Something to look forward to. I mean, I think that's sort of the downside of the streaming thing. Everything all the time is uh, is not great because then you got to wait a year. You know, when they kind of kind of like dulled, dulled it out once a week, had a natural sort of build to it, and and you, you absorbed it differently. And then and then you had to wait a year, you, but at least every week you were occupied. It wasn't just three days. Of uh, staying up and watching all of something, but whatever you know, the it was great. It's a great show, and I and I and I, I miss it. I think it was very exciting. I mean, look, not every episode was amazing, but most of them were great. Characters were great. God damn, man, Gandolfini was so fucking good. Imperioli, all of them. Edie Falco, fucking brilliant man, i ah, we're all getting old. But uh, I'm going to talk to David Chase. It's going to happen. You're going to hear it right here. If you are in Connecticut, Ridgefield, Connecticut, November 11th, the Ridgefield Playhouse, there are tickets available. The New York Comedy Festival, Town Hall, November 13th, there are some tickets available. There's a Largo show uh, here in Los Angeles. That's this month, September 28th, the day after my birthday, I believe there are tickets available. This Friday, the Aladdin Theater in Portland, Oregon, the 10 p.m. show might have some tickets. You can find them all at wtfpod.com tour. So I'm back for a couple of days. I was in St. Louis, and I got to be honest with you, man. After all the shit talking of Missouri, I had an amazing bunch of shows there. It's, you know, I I freak out before I go anywhere and I was paranoid, but yeah, I'm also critical. You know, Missouri, I'm not, it's still a a, a sort of a political and uh, kind of religious crucible of dumb fuckery, but St. Louis, it's odd. I've been there before, but I don't always remember the cities that I've been in. And uh, I noticed that when I was driving around, realizing that, like I remember, like the record store I went to, I. But it wasn't like excitement. It was like it was like being at the, you know, returning to the the place where the trauma happened. Like I, I just, it, the, it was a sort of the tone where I'm in my a car and I'm like, oh my god, I've been here, I've been here. Oh shit, this is where I had the sandwich. It's like with weird tone, but I was not traumatized. It turns out that St. Louis is a pretty great city. It was. Probably an amazing city, and now it's pretty great. It's stunning. There's a lot of great buildings, a lot of good uh, parks. Apparently, all the museums are free and outdoor concerts and stuff. I'm not going to do a big commercial for St. Louis. I barely got into the city. I was staying outside of the city in Clayton, uh, where the club is, which is sort of a suburb, I think. But I got out. I, uh, I ate some things. Great fucking record stores, man. I went to two I went to Vintage Vinyl which is good but then I went to Euclid Records holy fuck and like look man I know I don't know when this is going to end I don't know when it's going to stop I know that I'm not the only you know 57 year old man Scrambling around buying records and I know that every day that I buy more records every day of my life When I look at my records I look at my guitars or I look at my house or I look at my shoes or I look at my shirts I realize what's gonna happen to all this shit How much of this is gonna be garbage? Where does all this go? And that goes to like seriously though? Where is it gonna go? And then it goes to fuck? I've got it. I've got to redo my will I think who's in my I got to who's in my will what what is I gotta what's my estate planning situation? What I better I gotta make sure somebody gets this stuff. I gotta make sure charity gets some things. I should give my my pants to charity and the boots, some money and stuff. So that's where my brain goes. But look, I'm just trying to change my diet to as bad as it can possibly be so um I can die before everyone dies at the same time. <laughs> but back to Saint Louis. So The reason as you guys know i go to do the extended runs is to work on the shit and it had been a few weeks before i since i did the hours and god damn it i i got out there man those second shows there was one show friday the first show friday where i was like that's it that's the structure you landed on it uh so tie it up figure out how you want to end the thing move some stuff around You got some guts around this, these death jokes. So, you know, close with them. Don't be a puss uh, and then figure out the tag. So this is inner dialogue stuff. So I'm doing about hour 15, hour 20s, hour 25. I'd say I do have a a pretty solid hour 10 that's going to be good. But then like second shows, Friday and Saturday, where you got to turn on the juice, you got to tweak your fucking energy I just and also by Saturday second show I'm bored of my shit because I've done four in a row I've done one that before that and I got to make it interesting for me so it got real it got weird it was beautiful second show Saturday St Louis fucking serious jazz set serious and look man I don't need to be like some comics just sort of like Mark Maron's going to improvise an entire show it's like if you're a good comic. Of course you can do that. You don't need to, whatever. So, but the riffing thing, to sort of riff with some intention and and, and really explore something to figure out how you think about stuff it's a fucking thrilling, you know, it's thrilling because it doesn't always hinge on getting the laugh with me. It's 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 a sort of like creative discovery process, which is how I do it. But when it really goes, when you're really feeling like you're in the cradle of it and the audience can handle it. That second show Saturday was it's just one of those things where you're like, that's never going to happen again. Fortunately, I recorded it on my phone. Oh, fuck. Who, who am I going to leave my phone to? I got to put that phone. I got to put my phone code somewhere where people can get it. In case something happens. I have to give somebody my phone code. (laughs) I'm going to raffle my phone code off. But um, yeah, so it was very productive. All five shows. And, you know, people were very nice. Midwestern people. The people at Clementine's Ice Cream, the publicist there, Julie, she's been like hooking me up with ice cream, which I don't really need. But they make this amazing ice cream there, this place. And uh, it's like got like you know ninety percent butter fat or something. It's fucking nuts. And, and and they've sent it to me here at the house, but I'd never been to the store. And I got there, and you know they a bunch of them come from the ice cream place. And the next day, Tamara, the woman who owns the five Clementines ice cream places in in St. Louis, is like, "Let me show you around." Like there seemed to be some sort of concerted effort on behalf of the city to make me assess it <laughs> properly. You know, it's like, hey, man, we get it. Missouri sucks. But this town, this city is okay, man. It's okay. We got cool food, we got ice cream, and we got like free museums, man, and good record stores, and decent people, and kind of wild old, you know, brick architecture. Get on board. I got off the plane when I got there. went right to Patty's, which is some old ass barbecue. Just shoved a bunch of ribs in my face. Definitely a celebration of food shame for me. But anyways, I was taken around by somebody who lives there. And, and she's a, you know, I guess what you call it, a, a, what, a carpetbagger. She's a transplant who fell in love with the place. But I forget that I like these places. I like these Midwestern cities. Until I get someplace, you know, I don't know what's up. And my, my opinion has not changed of Missouri, uh, in large part, but I, I I do think St. Louis is is okay with me. Had good food, nice people, great shows, and uh, bought some cool records. And there were no problems. I think I really have a sort of some sort of narcissism where this paranoia that thinks like I I really have to tell myself like, dude, you're not really a target. You don't have that much traction. You are not that. Uh, You're you're not at that level of public personhood to where they're looking for you. Not yet. When they when they start getting to the micro, when they actually start taking over, you might be on a list. You might be on the entertainers list for uh, deportation to uh, to the, you know, Walmart parking lot camps. But we'll see. We'll see. In the meantime, I'm offering no apologies. I don't feel contrite in any way about what I uh, had said about Missouri leading up to Missouri, because all of my people, not only did they enjoy being at a vaxxed show, uh, they felt safe and comfortable. Many people wore masks and uh, it was all okay. Uh, But they knew exactly what I was talking about and they felt the same way. Nobody knows better than the people that are fucking stuck in the middle of it. You know what I'm saying? By choice or just by need to remain at a job or near their family as i've said before people in blue cities uh they're not necessarily celebrating they do live in a certain amount of fear uh life in a blue city is sort of like uh, yeah you know we we don't talk about it at work you know we just don't you know, don't ask questions you don't ask questions and it's okay i guess that's the way it used to be i guess the way that that's what it always was it didn't come into it But it's not really about politics anymore, is it? It's something different. It's something much worse. Much, much worse than politics. David Chase, I was nervous about talking to David Chase because in my mind he was like at the same level as a mob leader, as a mafia don. I don't know what I projected onto this guy. You know, he's you know, he's from New Jersey. He's a writer. He's a he's a screenwriter. That's what he's a screenwriter. He's not the mafia but I just thought he had a, he he had a, had some some weight to him, man. Heavy cat. He is a heavy cat, but not in that way. And uh it was really great talking to him. And I enjoyed the movie. This is me talking to to David Chase, the the Many Saints of Newark opens in theaters Friday, October 1st, and it will also be streaming on HBO Max. He created The Sopranos and he's written on a lot of Wherever you get your podcasts. There's never a shortage of cats, David. Yeah, yeah. It's like if
1: one goes, you like you cry for a little while,
0: but you're like, then you like you go pick another cat.
1: Yeah. I, well, I never. I, I've lost three cats to coyotes, and uh, I never. It's I brutal. didn't blow it off that easy. It was not, not No, of I course not. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, terrible. I'm sure, I think it was three, but it could have been two. One of them, the third one might yeah. have just abandoned us and gone elsewhere.
0: Well, that's the hope. It's like if you don't actually find pieces of it that they found a nicer place. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like I had that happen to one, and I just hope that like some nice Mexican lady down there, because it used to be an indoor cat, but it pissed all over everything, so I had to put it outside. So I always thought it had a chip on its shoulder, and then it disappeared. Really, and uh, I, I my hope was that a nice lady took him in because yeah. they don't they don't give a shit after a couple of days. They're not dogs, right? Yeah, <laughs> I guess they don't. <laughs> I know it's, uh, but I I haven't. I had to put two down uh, that were old, and that's heavy. But it's different than getting. You know, it's different than coyotes. You kind of know it's happening. You're there, and you miss them. But you know, you do
1: realize they had a good life. Well, I think it's the whole being torn apart thing that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't want to see that. Or, or think about that.
0: The worst. Yeah, you gotta keep it in the house. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't realize you lived out here. It's so funny, like I talk to a lot of people all the time, but for some reason when you know you were coming over, I I felt like I was talking to some sort of, you know, mafia don.
1: I couldn't <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, was like,
0: right. I was I was like, This guy, this guy's heavy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's because people have said a lot of stupid things about it. But... About you? Well, <laughs> Tony Sirico said yeah. to somebody, he's he's been quoted that he said, you know, I, I know I know a lot of wise guys, I know a lot of really tough guys, yeah, but David, <laughs> I'm scared of. <laughs> well, yeah, I could have fired him, but other than that, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's funny that like yeah, you could fire him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, as far as an actor goes, yeah, right, yeah,
0: right, but uh, I, you know, I. It was very interesting in the new movie to see all the guys take on those characters that we knew from The Sopranos as younger men. Right. And I thought the detail of seeing... uh little steven's uh, uh character uh with before he got the the piece yeah, before right. he got with the yeah. comb
1: over right yeah that was all john magaro's idea oh yeah who's yeah. that What's he's it? the guy who played him oh yeah oh really yeah he said first the comb over and then we put the, the piece on he's, yeah that's what he, he told me so well, you know I'll, pl- I'll like to play stevie and we'll do the comb over and then i'll get the piece and
0: that yeah. i mean that was a great detail yeah they, you know it's a big jump from <laughs> uh, from comb over to peace but they work so hard to get the uh, the, the 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 gimmick, the, the sort of twitches right. <laughs> and if, for some reason, you know, I saw it in a theater. I uh, I I, I swore to God, I left the theater. This never happens to me, and I don't know if I've got uh, getting soft in the head. But I thought Vera Farmiga. I thought that was uh, Edie Falco.
1: Everybody says that. Really? Okay. Mm. Thank God. Everybody says Cause it. Because
0: I like, I left thinking, like, God, Edie Falco was genius. <laughs> and then, and, then, oh, and, and yeah. then my producer's like, yeah, she's not in it. And I'm like, who the fuck was that?
1: Yeah. But there was, I, why is that? I, may, does she I, look like her? Do, do, the The no. nose. Uh, the, the, I mean, she, she had a prosthetic nose. Oh, okay. And it, the, her profile was kind of like Edie's. Okay, so I didn't realize she had a prosthetic nose. I mean, I noticed that right away. So then, of course, you can say, well, of course, he, he married his mother, you know. Sure, well, I, I mean, <laughs> I got that, but I thought that was her.
0: So I would have recognized her. Okay, so there was a prosthetic though. And I mm-hmm. thought that she did an amazing job, you know, uh, getting, uh, uh, what's her name, Marchand. Uh, uh, Nancy. Nancy Marchand's twi- twitches and, and quir- quirks. Oh, yeah, she did. You know the, the weird little habits that of these characters that you got used yeah. to later.
1: But Magaro did this the, the thing where Magaro walks to the door. I don't remember that. Yeah, where he says, uh, "Tell him it was about they unloading the truck." Yeah, and he Tony's knocking on the door. Yeah, and he walks across and he had the he had that walk down. The Same thing. Holy shit! The same thing as Van Zandt yeah. did. Yeah, no, yeah. it was
0: great. My, I guess my question though is that this movie didn't have to be a, a Sopranos prequel, did it? Really? I mean, like the movie was setting up tony to a degree but the movie was about another character and it was about race really in 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 newark i mean it seems like it would have stood on its own uh had had it not you know had it been detached yeah but you know no no, but did you ever think of that i mean did you like the the story didn't happen it wasn't a story existing in your head it was something that came out of the sopranos
1: no it was uh it came because New Line, mm-hmm. approached me about doing, quote, unquote, yeah. a Sopranos movie. Right. Okay. So, so that's what right. happened.
0: And so you sat down and put your mind to it, and that's what you came up that's with? That's what we came up with, that, yeah. So you sit down with that idea, and you realize, well, Tony's too young to base a movie on at this point, to, to run the whole movie through as the lead, right? Yeah. So how do you how did you connect
1: the mythology? Why why did you choose... Uh, uh, Montesanti? Yeah, yeah Montessanti. Because, um, well... I mean, everybody loves. I love Christopher. Yeah, it's and, great. Christopher is great. And you know the way the Christopher story had been left, there was some room, some room there for some afterlife <laughs> stuff. But that came, <laughs> but that came later. Yeah. Um, we, well, Lawrence Connor and I, we wrote it together. Yeah, um, he quizzed me. What do you want? to Do you want to do a really good Sopranos episode? Yeah. Or do you want to do something different? Yeah. And we decided what we wanted to do was make a really good gangster movie. Right. And we figured we would need a really good gangster. Yeah, we couldn't have couldn't have Jim Gandolfini anymore. And, yeah, and I, you know, remembered this guy Dickie Moltisanti. Had been a lot of talk about about, it, right. about him. Yeah, and I thought, and I was interested. I thought that would be interesting. Who is who, who is that guy? Yeah, you know. So, so that was that's how it, <laughs> that was it. That's how, it, that's, how it, that's yeah. And then how did the riots come up? Well, I mean, did you grow up in you're from Jersey, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do.
0: Because I mean, you know, it seems like you would have been right at the age where you were taking all
1: that in. Yeah, I, mean, I do remember. Yeah, I was my um, my girlfriend, and who's now my wife, worked at the Prudential Insurance Company in in downtown Newark. Yeah, and I drove her to work every day. Yeah, or to the subway station every day. So, at that time, I was thinking oh this is great man i hope they burn that fucking place down yeah fuck them you know i, I couldn't believe it and then i thought wait a minute denise is down here. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. right <laughs> so, yeah, shut, you call. Up. shut up <laughs> you, you alright? right you called up yeah
0: what part of jersey you grew up in essex county my grandfather owned a, a, a hardware store and an appliance store in haskell haskell my father owned a hardware store really
1: yeah jersey hardware store yeah, Verona, New Jersey. Yeah.
0: yeah. hardware stores were
1: great. Did you go there when you were a kid? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, he owned one in a shopping center first. No. And I used to go, My he had a partner. Yeah. So his partner's name name was Tony and the kid's name was Bobby. Yeah. And we used to go down there all the time. And there was a toy store in that place. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of stuff for us to oh, hang oh. out. And a Chinese restaurant next door. So you could look in there and see the Chinese guys plucking chickens. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, that's a big kid memory. Yeah. Chinese guys plucking yeah. chickens. Yeah, <laughs> S- sitting down on like a buck a overturned bucket, and yeah. you know Just pulling uh, feathers out. Meanwhile, my father and yeah. Tony would complain about the smell, of the Chinese food. Sure. Um, and uh, then he went to deeper into suburbia, uh-huh. and that was um, <laughs> he was always struggling because he picked this. This time of he had been a draftsman, yeah, and he picked this time of life to open a hardware store. Well, how old was he? Forty. Mm, yeah, it was just when highway stores were starting to open up. Oh, the big ones, big ones. Yeah. yeah. Oh, bad. and so he was. <laughs> he was always trying to come up from behind that. Ugh. and bad timing. Bad timing. And then I, when I left, they sold it to a guy who fucked yeah. it all up. And then my mother went down for. A, a sheriff's sale, I guess? I don't know. His whole life. $1, yeah. $1,340. This is after he passed? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It was like, you know, Arthur Miller time.
0: Is... <laughs> really? <laughs> <Domastic>. <laughs> But the hardware store, the reason I used to go, like to go is there was all these old guys hanging around, telling stories. they just oh. hang around the hardware store, because it was this tiny town. Oh, I see. And it was no, like, my,
1: nobody hung around my, yeah, my story. yeah.
0: And my grandpa, Jack, was he'd let him in there, and just they'd all sit around. There was like a luncheonette across the street, and the guy who owned it got busted for you know running numbers or something. Yeah. The nice guy, Archie, used to mm-hmm. give us candy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out he was running a racket. Is that, so you're from there. You're from Pompton Lake. I No, I was born in Jersey City. I lived uh, in Jersey only until I was- like six or seven oh. wayne but both my parents are from jersey uh-huh. i'm genetically jersey right yeah so you grew up in that area i love new jersey me too do you get? because uh, i as i get older and even you know i remember like we used to drive on i don't know if it was 46 or whatever into the city you drive through secaucus and my grandmother would say can you smell the pigs there used to be pig pigs, farms
1: pig farms yeah do you remember pig farms I, Story. I never saw a fucking pig. Me neither. Uh, um, but they used to talk about it. Yeah, they talked about um, the pig um, farms. in the car on the way to New York. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> exactly, the pig farms. And, and there, it, of course, it didn't smell good there. No, but it was industry. It wasn't yeah. pigs. No, it didn't smell like pigs. Oh, I loved I, I, the, the the Meadowlands. Yes. I love I love that whole thing. And that's where the Sopranos was kind of originally set. In uh, in that area. In that well. I mean, Sopranos was set in Newark, yeah. and Newark touches the Meadowlands right. at some point. Yeah, it was like, all those rivers, the Raritan. And yeah, yeah, and yeah. I just when I was a kid, little kid, yeah, I used to my we used to go see my grandmother in Westchester, uh-huh. uh, every New York. S- yeah, yeah, uh, Mount Vernon, New Yorkers. Yeah. Every other Sunday, and I would, and we would take the Washington. We lived in Clifton at that time, right? So we would take the Washington Bridge, and I would beg my father. To take us through home through the Lincoln Tunnel. Yeah, because I got to go to Manhattan and see yeah. it. Right. And yeah. I, and at that time, there were ships there with their the prow of the boat like was over the West Side Highway. Yeah. Um wow. Just uh, I was, and then going into the um, the Meadowlands, it was like a whole f- fantasy land that was yeah. like a grown-up land. Yeah. That was right. like a whole yeah. more, These kind of I remember there was a bar with an anchor on it. Yeah. It was like a movie. Right. <laughs> And it made a big impression. Oh, huge! Yeah, huge. I mean, I my my grandfather comes from
0: Elizabeth, so that's right there. Mm-hmm. And then you know, my grandparents lived in Bayonne for a while, and I remember yeah. we used to just squeeze into the bathroom to look out the window because you could see the Statue of Liberty barely yeah, from right. Bayonne. Yeah. yeah, but there was definitely that sense. I remember driving into the city when I was a kid with my grandfather to get tongue at Katz's, and it was like you just felt Ooh. the electricity Ooh. of it, of of being in a you know in a, a huge yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. So that was a uh,
1: Well, I thought it was my father's world. Oh yeah. yeah that's what I thought. Yeah?
0: yeah. He owned
1: it. Well, he lived in it. He, he that he built it. Not, yeah. Him and his friends, or, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> in, a, in a way that's true, I guess. But. Of course. Of course. But
0: uh so but you it, growing up in 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 Jersey, you, your
1: father was always what? Disgruntled? Yeah. Upset? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say more than disgruntled. Yeah. He was very angry. I think. Yeah. yeah. And
0: wasn't... how many how many kids in the family? Me, just you. Yeah. Oh, a lot of pressure, huh? Yeah, a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um. So a lot of anger in the house.
1: A whole lot. Yeah.
0: Oh well, the they were fighting.
1: They were fighting. My my mother was um very, very difficult. Just yeah. For him, I'm sure. Yeah. For me I, too, but for yeah. him, uh, I know it was. I never really understood that relationship.
0: Really, I. Who the hell understands your parents' relationship? I mean, did they last the whole time? They did. Yeah. Well, I guess it you know, it's a mm. different generation. Yeah. Yeah. And what uh, what drove you out? What drove you to to, to show business? What, what was the intention originally?
1: Uh, to get rich and famous, I think. But I, do you knew in high school? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. Not. I'm, I'm saying that. Yeah. Get rich and famous, but you know. What dr- drove me out was. Um, my lo- my love of rock and roll music I oh think. yeah yeah i want it, i want it to be i mean after the beatles and the stones that's all i could think about that's all i could think about and i was in we were you know my friends some friends of mine and i yeah two guys who really really good guitar players yeah um they still play one of them died yeah and he used to play he was uh, he used to tour with a guy named Paul Siebold. you know him um he died, and the other one is still around. Yeah, um, but I don't think I don't know how much he's playing. He played in a band. We had a we had a, a, more like a, a jam band, yeah. and we had this idea, right, that we were going to make it big. Yeah, and I made a movie about it actually. And, oh, with that? Right. Oh, yeah, with Glenn Difini about the kid, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I just wanted that so much, and then I got interested. I mean, I'd always loved movies, right? But, but it never occurred to me that you could make one so
0: but you saw like you saw rock, the full arc of rock and roll as a conscious person right i mean you saw the beginning of it all the way through because you must have been like what 14 or 15 in the 50s right so you saw no well
1: close 12, yeah. 12 13. but you
0: saw like elvis and then you saw yeah. it turn into the beatles and then you yeah. saw it turn into the the rest of it in the 60s yeah. so yes. you all
1: you that. were there at the beginning and you loved it so you like you grew up with it i grew up with it And I started playing the drums uh, probably at 13 or 14. Yeah. But it wasn't specifically to be in a rock and roll band. Right. I I took drum lessons from a guy who um, had played with big bands, uh, a guy named Jimmy Jerome. Mm -hmm. And so I learned what are called, I learned to read music only on one line. um, The drum line? The drum line. Yeah. And I I was learning independence. I don't know if you know what that that means. Um, What does it mean? Well, it means that. Each of your four limbs is doing something different. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know it's very difficult. Yeah. But I loved it. It was it's a jazz thing. Yeah. So at that point in high school, for what that's when that's when like pop music, whatever you want to call it. Was yeah. Just downhill. Mm-hmm. Um. Nothing good. Yeah. So me, my friends and I all got into jazz oh. for a while, and yeah, I just loved that. I just loved it. Then the Beatles came along. Yeah. I that was, was it at, end I of jazz at, and goodbye jazz yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but by that time we'd also put everybody had put their instruments away mm. because we got driver's licenses yeah and that was the end of driver's licenses and girls and that yeah. was the end driver's of- licenses and uh, you could drink the alcohol yeah. yeah that was it yeah greenwood lake and, and, and
0: manhattan yeah. yeah so then when does it become possible for you to, to sort of like start thinking about writing yeah, I mean, what do you, you know? What 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 what's spurred? because yeah, I've I've heard that you're still like very into music. Like you you're, you're uh, uh, like have a huge brain for music. I do, but n- nothing new, frankly. No, no. <laughs> but no. Uh, uh, where does it end? What year do you go up to? Seventy-five? No, 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 no. I'm a little later than that. Oh, maybe the
1: first decade of two thousand. Oh yeah, and you do records? You have records? I do have. I just just uncovered them because we moved i have yeah. a pretty big record collection i thought it was bigger but i do ha- i do have that. you thought yeah. it was bigger yeah i thought it was going to be like oh yeah <laughs> david's record collection no. <laughs> not not enough for no, that no no and i still haven't played one of them yet so so when do you start writing i started writing in film school because uh, my analysis was that to make a movie yeah you'd need millions of dollars yeah but to write a script you need some paper and a pencil yeah (laughs) and that was the way to get in so i started writing that and who was uh what movies were you drawn towards at that time yeah like what was making you want to do it well the the, when i first got the idea like you know what maybe this is something you could do yeah was seeing um cul-de-sac the polanski movie yeah i thought Maybe you could do that. Or yeah. Because there was like only four people. Right. In a house. Yeah. And I sort of could understand. Not that I was thinking production wise. Right. I just, it seemed like something maybe I could manage a story like that. Yeah. That's all. And what was the first movie you wrote? The first movie I wrote, I forget the name of it. I wrote it with a friend of mine from yeah. film school. And Did you make it? No. 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 <laughs> What we was sent the, it. My our, <laughs> our writing teacher sent, yeah. it, sent it out to Hollywood to a guy named Roy Huggins, who yeah. was a television writer, producer. Yeah. And I, I got a job out of it, my first jo- writing job. Really?
0: So out of NYU? No, uh, no, out of Stanford. Oh, you were you were in Stanford. So you went to undergrad in New York. Yeah, and then you went to Stanford. And then I went to Stanford. Yeah. Wow, I didn't
1: even know they had a program. <laughs> Nobody knows it. It's it, it's um, it's it was mostly then yeah. documentary, uh-huh. which was not what I was into. Yeah, um, and now it's only documentary. Interesting. Mm. Why? Because why? That's uh, is it within the journalism school? It was no Department of Communications. Okay, which was was the I guess journalism was yeah. in there too. Right. Yeah, I think it's I think it's I think now it's in the drama department. But huh. I
0: don't know. So you were already in California. You didn't have to move from
1: Jersey or New York? No, no, no. I was in L.A., yeah. So what was the job? Uh, I wrote a screenplay of a TV series called um, The Bold Ones. Yeah. The Lawyers. Yeah. With Joe Campanella and uh, Burl Ives. And, Burl Ives. Yeah. I forget the, uh, I forget the third guy. Yeah. Um, and that was it. That was the beginning. That was the beginning. And then I didn't work again for probably three or four years. What would you do to work? um well i, I guess I, I worked with a friend of mine we wrote a couple of screenplays for gene corman uh roger corman's brother
0: he, <laughs> was, that, was that so if gene if
1: roger makes b movies did gene make c movies <laughs> oh something like that yeah <laughs> um so i worked yeah I, I, but i remember i worked an entire year i think on a screenplay for 600 bucks i don't remember that what was that I mean, one about you know, what the hell was it <laughs> something ridiculous yeah yeah it was about probably not cool no, anymore it was about a gay guy yeah I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. not cool about a gay
0: guy yeah. yeah so that's where that goes but you're in Hollywood in the 70s it must have been pretty
1: fucking exciting it was tremendously exciting
0: like what were you guys doing you must have, music you must have seen any everybody no oh
1: I've, you know I don't know why but I've never really been a concert guy that much I'm the same dude and I love really? music.
0: Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, because like I'm only good for about 45 minutes. E- you know, and it's not even, even before I got old. It-, it was sort of like you know, I go and if it's uncomfortable, if I can't see, what's the fucking point?
1: I don't like. Yeah, to see, that's the want... way, that's the way. I'll t- I can tell you the best concerts I've seen were Los Lobos, New Year's Eve, oh, 1986 so or something. Yeah. yeah, And my wife and I used to li- just listen to records all the time. Yeah, and all my f- my friends and I did too. Come over and they listen. we'd get high and listen to records, and sometimes with my friends, pick them apart and try to figure out the parts, and then try try to play them or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So in the seventies, were all your friends in show business at that time? No, no, no. no. I mean, friends from film school were trying to be in show business. Yeah, I I do remember that we lived. We lived in an apartment uh, in Brentwood, and when people came, when friends came from back east, yeah we'd get high we'd get in the car and go down to um 20th century fox on pico boulevard yeah and drive into the lot yeah and the guy at the gate would just didn't care yeah and it's nighttime yeah and you drive in pretty soon you're underneath the third avenue l uh-huh and you're in new york like it was it was the uh, from a barbara streisand movie right big, big movie funny girl Funny girl, girl yeah movie. yeah uh, and we used to do. I just I loved that shit. Just yeah, loved
0: it. Yeah. I had a buddy, like when I first came out in the 80s, who, who knew somebody who had a family friend who worked at Paramount and just let, got us on the lot. Yeah. Walking around yeah. those streets. Right. Wow. Oh, it's great. Well, it is great.
1: Yeah. It you is great.
0: Because, you, you know, if you love show business, it's like, you know,
1: it's like the secret tour, you know? Yeah. Well,. <laughs> I don't know if it was loving show business or loving movies. I, I oh well, yeah, well of course
0: I didn't know what show business was, but it's the movie business. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. I'm still not clear what show business is.
1: When I, I was, I had a seven year contract at Universal for TV writing. <sighs> for TV writing, yeah, yeah that, and, it, that um, wasn't a
0: good sigh.
1: Um, <laughs> actually, yeah. What? Well, it, 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 it was what it was. I, I, I had it kept me in television. I, I, I want to be in movies a movie director. Yeah. And then when I got here yeah. and I got a few jobs, I, I, I got scared of directing. I thought, oh, I could never do that. Why? Well, tell those actors what to do. <laughs> well, yeah. you, know, you know, tell them what to do. and I just thought, it's not for you. Huh. Um, and I didn't say it's not for you, but I, yeah. I just didn't do it. So the writing, though,
0: I mean, that did you get a feel? How did that work? So you were just contracted at the lot and they'd throw you on shows at that time? Basically, like, basically
1: Huh. Uh, yeah you could refuse it no, yeah you weren't really supposed
0: to refuse it so what was going so it, it kind of worked like the studio system did with movies like you were a contract player yeah. and they would say like you know, exactly like, like uh, this show needs a guy
1: go over and talk to so-and-so and, and see if yeah you- huh that's exactly how it was and what shows did you do the, Well, the first one i did was that that was a that one episode of the bold uh, ones, the bold ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then three years go by, and yeah. the Writers Guild goes on strike. Oh yeah, I had to go on picket duty. Oh yeah, and I was extremely pissed off yeah. because the Guild had never gotten me any work, right? And I thought it was like the Plumbers Union or something. <laughs> like you'd go to we, you know, a union hall, right? And they'd say, you know, anybody here worked with uh, brass or something. You know, and but that never happened. That? No. So you didn't have an agent, or you did? I finally got an agent. When I went to pick a duty at Paramount yeah. Studios in front of the big gates, yeah, um, I met a guy who introduced me to his agent, mm. and he was a he was a couple of years on, older than me. He was about to take over the back nine of the magician with Bill Bixby. And I remember that. Yeah, so we did that, and then he got hired to be the producer of the Night Stalker with Darren McGowan. Oh yeah, Mc, I remember McGavin. that too. Yeah. So he took me with him to there. He got fired after three episodes, yeah, or left, and I stayed there for seven years at Universal.
0: So now, when you was this, uh, did you did you find it gratifying? I mean, were you engaged with it? I mean, because it's it's hard to tell how you, how you're talking about it. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you
1: obviously learned something. Oh, I learned a fuck of a lot. Yeah, yeah. But I, how did I? All the time, I was thinking. Here's what it was. Yeah. All the time I was thinking, you asshole, you took this seven-year contract right. for money. Right. Money. Yeah. Money. Yeah. So you're not going to be in the movies anymore. Mm. I was trying to get into the movies. I was right. trying to shift over. Right. But it didn't work. Oh, so, you, so you I felt always like you, blamed myself. Yeah. Uh, like You sold out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. At the, at the same time, I was enjoying, I worked on really good stuff, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, I was lucky. What was your favorite? back then the rockford files was really
0: good that that was such a it seemed like a fun show it was fun
1: it was fun and gardner seemed like he was great yeah like a great guy he was a good guy yeah everybody it was a it was a lot of fun i you really felt like you were part of a family yeah um didn't
0: did michael lerner do some rockford files
1: the actor yeah 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 yeah. He's a character. Dude. Is he still around? He
0: is, man. I, I had him on... I did a show on IFC for four seasons, and he played uh, my, my my mother's boyfriend in one episode. What a fucking piece of work that guy is. How so? I mean, he was great. He was great. You know, he really, uh, I think, believes he should have won the Oscar for Barton Fink, and maybe he should have. But uh, now, like, he's just one of these guys where... Like uh, we're all sitting around. Here's what here's what he did. All right. So it's a small production. First of all, he's always he's doing is going. Like, can I have this robe? Can I have these shoes? Can I take <laughs> like so every <laughs> everything on the set? He's like, can I take this home? He said, no. <laughs> and then uh, the what the amazing thing is though, this guy, you know, he's sitting out in front of his trailer. He's got his balls hanging out. He's got, he's sitting in a robe. Um, and uh, so we're shooting in a house in a condo. And the video village is the bathroom. It's just a little bathroom. So everyone's crammed in there, yeah. right? And we're shooting the scene in there. It's a low budget show. And somehow at lunch everyone's gone. And some for whatever reason, Michael Lerner went in there and took a dump in that bathroom. He- <laughs>
1: <laughs> for what for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: right. And he had a trailer. He could have got it. So like uh, so that was his set. So that's how that worked. And he also liked doing Zeds with him. Well, fuck with your head, man. I mean, he was, yeah. like, he's an interesting guy, and he's a great actor, and I love him. But he's he's a piece of work. Like, you know, we'll be we'll, we'll be shooting. We're shooting with Sally Kellerman and him. And me, Sally comments playing my mother, and he's just up in my head before every scene. He's like, "Do you know what you're doing? Do you make any choices?" Here we go. <laughs> so by the time he goes, by the time action happens, he owns the scene because right. he's fucked you,
1: right, right. right. So, right. and I think they know that. I think he knows. He, I think he, he must. I think he did more than one. He probably did one a year, one a season. Sure, of, sure. Files. Yeah, yeah. You know, a, I get a kick as a out scumbag him. villain. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. There were so
0: many of those actors then, right? In the seventies, these guys that were all around. Yeah. But uh,
1: but Gardner was great and great to work with. Yeah, it was great to work with. Yeah. Also, I, I kind of I respected the um, I respected the writing. I, I respected the show. Mm. Um. I had been on another show yeah. prior to that. Yeah. And I the and the Rockford people screened an episode of Rockford for me. Yeah. And I thought. Well, I thought, wow, this really seems like it's really about Los Angeles. Mm. This this show takes place not just in its time slot, but in the real Los Angeles. Yeah, I felt it had some depth and what's, character, or something. So,
0: so you sense the you sensed the city as a character. That, yeah, that, oh yeah, and mm-hmm. and that
1: that sort of uh, that kind of uh, yeah stood out to you. And I was encouraged to write kind of satirically. Mm -hmm. Um, I was encouraged to make fun of uh, the bad guys. They they would be like pompous assholes, a little bit like uh, Columbo, I suppose. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you had uh, clownish villains.
0: Um, self-deceiving, right right, 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 right. They they didn't see the part of themselves that no, was ridiculous. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so what was it? You think that you, what was a big part, the big piece of your education on that show was was see, seeing that it was rooted in in or grounded in a in a reality that 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 seemed to have some integrity. Yes. Yeah. So, what was this stint on like northern exposure? Right. Not...
1: <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't match. It doesn't add up to me. I know, that was the. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, proud to say. Yeah. I think that was the only job I took for money, except for the whole career, which I did for money. But <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm sort of shitting all over myself. But I was just so happy to be part of it and yeah. to drive to a studio yeah. and see actors that you were famous and. And, and and write and create stuff. Just the creative process. Well, it seems like you did. You know, like I, I don't know what the. Uh, I'm just looking at some of this stuff,
0: but I don't know what uh, the the Palms Precinct was. Oh Jesus Christ! But,
1: but it seems like a. you was a pilot. You did it. It's a pilot. I did it. It, it. What was that? Uh, it, it was it was Sharon Gless yeah. And some Italian guy. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> yeah. James Marino or something yeah and it ended up with a gunfight yeah a couple of hell's angels in a gunfight yeah and they'll and the chief villain had to give up because he had to take a shit and he shit in his pants and <laughs> ran into the house so despite all this the people the executives at universal kept yeah. having faith in me
0: yeah <laughs> so that was part of the universal deal. Yeah, but okay. So you're beating yourself up on all this, but you're sort of obviously you know how to do the work. You know how to get a script done. You know how to you know how to produce a show at this point, right? Yeah. So by the time you do the Sopranos, was it? Did you when you started to work on the Sopranos? Did you finally at least say to yourself, "I'm doing something now that I'm proud of, and it's not for the
1: bread." Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm trying to explain this. Is that yes. it? Wasn't all for I no, didn't I do it. it for the yeah, bread. I, I, yeah, I understand. Um, um, I was married, and then I had a kid, and yeah. so you know. Yeah. Um, what was your question? <laughs> the question is: By the time
0: you created the Sopranos, did you feel like you had control and you were happy about it? Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Okay. yeah. I, I wasn't happy when they said they were buying it. Yeah. When I mean, we made the pilot. Yeah. And it took about a year before they made a decision on it yeah they tested it and we're all you know everybody was waiting around right when they said they were gonna buy it i thought this is the end of my life (laughs) seriously i mean look look at your age you're finished there's another tv show yeah and um so
0: wait so was the thing that was hanging over you was that you know you still hadn't done movies yet yeah okay
1: yeah right I was going to the movies and I was, you know, watching all kinds of movies. And, and so when I sold *The Sopranos, I decided, okay, well, that's going to be like the movies that I go to see. Right. But I thought, well, I was hoping for that whole year when they didn't buy, it, when they hadn't decided yeah, that they would pass on it and that I could get another half a million dollars out of them and put it, an, it was about 70 minutes long, put another 20 or so minutes in it, make a movie out of it. And take it to the Cannes Festival. That was my dream. Yeah, and that <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> this other thing happens. This other destiny. <laughs> Jesus, it, it wasn't destiny. Oh so, yeah, it was a huge destiny.
0: But but in doing that, you were able to change the 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 filmic language of television into something. Yeah. That, I mean, you you are sort of almost personally responsible for for making a uh you know a a, a you know five or six year movie <laughs> like there was a sense of you know i never thought of it time. <laughs>
1: no i never did a yeah. five-year movie
0: yeah i mean because i mean the conversation was nobody had seen tv like that and you know all the the filmic elements were not uh in any way uh traditional television and and every episode some of them more than others felt like movies that was my
1: goal well yeah so you did that it. was my goal was to do a little movie every week
0: yeah and so not only did you do a a movie you did the the longest movie ever made
1: okay but it wasn't in the movie theater <laughs> okay and you know the you know the I difference uh,
0: yeah uh, yes i know <laughs> yeah, the difference. Uh,
1: obviously sure um you know you go you it. fall under a spell or you don't yeah right I, well, I mean, I, I well, uh, I sat and watched when
0: I was shooting Glow. I watched the entire, uh, all of the Sopranos episodes, sitting there on set, like really? as if it were like a movie, like every day, like I binge watched wow. it. But I mean, right. again, I wasn't in a the movie theater. But but you know, what was interesting to me was in watching it is that there were definitely some episodes that were um, you know kind of almost like surrealistic adventures. Yeah. And, and that oh good yeah. thank you because when I watched them the first time where we all kind of you know looked forward to Sunday you know it was different you know you were just kind of but like watching them all together I really saw that like Jesus some episodes really they all stand on their own but some of them were were sort of like you know art they were they were art movies I know
1: yeah and it, I know it was it was fun. it was oh well, it was the best obviously the best creative experience of my life yeah and um, I really oh, I felt wonderful doing it. And when you got
0: into it, though, like you know, how much of this sort of like, because it seems like you know, whatever it is, whatever reason, you're, you know, you're so hard on yourself, or you, you know, you judge yourself against this idea of who you of yourself that didn't happen the way you want it to happen. I mean, how much of like the the compulsion at the beginning of the Sopranos was to resolve some of your own shit?
1: To resolve some of my own shit, I don't not consciously, hmm. but it was certainly was to. uh I would call it reserve, resolve the network shit. Yeah, but it was certainly to deal with network shit and network show shit. that it was shit. Yeah, that was show television. They showed the networks that television was shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, at that time, there was uh, Elvis Costello so on radio. Radio. Yeah, and, sure. Um, and and I used to think about this all the time. He, he used to he you know, I want to bite. The hand that feeds me, yeah. I want to bite that hand so so badly. Yeah. I want to make them wish they never seen me, and that happened. That all came true. <laughs> yeah. You showed them. I showed them. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it it felt really good.
0: Yeah. But in terms of like your your family stuff, did you find that like when you were writing that you know you were bringing a lot of your personal yeah issues too yeah it?
1: well that his mother was based on my mother yeah of he course. had a lot he had some things like like my father yeah Tony did Tony yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. um and all all the Italian Americanism um, came from my past mm. and and I I still think it's. Like maybe the most italian American show that's ever been on TV, and maybe even more Italian American than certain gangster movies, you know it, oh, for sure it, it you know well I mean it, it's it, just inside the house, that whole yep, all that sh- but but and also inside the two different
0: kinds of houses you, you know that you, you know the the Italian Americans that were still sort of in the mindset of like you know trying to pass right yeah. So, you know, middle class, upper middle class Italian Americans who want to distance themselves from the Italians who work at the pork store, whether they're gangsters or not. Right. So you've got this sort of two different styles of, you know, the, you know, the, the people pushing back on the stereotype by making themselves seem less Italian.
1: Yeah. That was like the therapist family. Right. The therapist family. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um and the other the doctor next door, or um sure, yeah, yeah, no, I think I, that I, I, I yeah. think that came about because if that was my parents' attitude my mother could get really defensive about you, yeah, that's the way we make chicken, yeah, yeah. um uh, <laughs> and and at the same time, I think there was a shame, yeah, I think a feeling at the bottom of the barrel. Or close to the bottom of the barrel about what? How I Italian- think they were conf- they were conflicted about their Italianism. Oh, oh, so not they being Italian that there was this idea that you don't want to act like you're off the boat kind of uh, deal. Absolutely, right, my father right. when I first started with long hair and beetle yeah, boots, yeah, yeah. he used to say, um, "You look like you just got off at Ellis Island." Yeah. Uh, what? I mean, I knew what Ellis Island was, right, but right. I don't remember people tra- wearing beetle boots and long hair at Ellis Island. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway yeah well that's interesting but that was his, that was the low the lowest of the low for him i guess right so there was some like
0: you had to you had a lot to resolve but i uh, you know in terms of uh, italianism in the show but i remember the, immediately thinking like well he's humanized the gangster and i don't know that's ever been done and anytime that it's ever been done even in a glimpse of it you know people say well this is a different kind of mobster in the movie of this or that but you realize after you watch the Sopranos, I, you know, I saw people doing jobs and I saw, you know, gangsters acting like people, mm-hmm. whereas, like, I love Raging Bull. I watch it, like, once oh, a year. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. You, you know, but there was still this sort of, like, you know, go see, like, I guess because it was limited... To the mob's engagement with this one fighter, that you didn't see the the full spectrum. But it was, you know, the club. You go to the social club. You get to throw the fight. You know, it, it, it was not mistake. It defeats its own purpose. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that stuff. The language was what it was, but the narrative itself, you know, getting the box to throw of the fight. It was based on truth, but it was not a story I hadn't seen before. Whereas, because you had the time with the series to explore the lives and just the day to day kind of uh, uh, picadillos and nuances of people doing this job. It spread it out. You saw real people. You uh, didn't see caricatures in The Sopranos. No, not really. I saw. I sometimes I like. I, I had a hard time uh, understanding Steve Van Zandt's you know approach to the character, <laughs> but but oddly by <laughs> by the end of it,
1: I bought it. Right. You know? It's funny because I've seen him this week. I've seen a whole lot of bunch of scenes yeah. because of doing press and stuff right. from the show. Yeah, from The Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, I thought the whole time he was really good.
0: Oh, yeah. Well he made like it was very specific and it, and and at the beginning I thought like is he doing a good job and by the end of it you realize like well that's that guy I guess. That's, that's that guy. That's that
1: guy but I also I think he also had acted a lot more and was and yeah. felt more sh- sure of himself and Oh yeah, especially when he had And the, smart. Yeah, tore, like when he
0: finally had to kill somebody you know, when you had to see it, yeah. when he had to kill her, uh, what's her
1: name? Uh, yeah, Adriana. Ooh,
0: that, like, that was such a turn for that
1: character. Because... It was a turn. For, you know, so maybe it's like real life. That was a turn for him. Yeah, yeah. He said, he was saying, I was reading the other day, that he, oh, I was reading his autobiography. That um, He really didn't want to do it. He found it really hard to pull her out of that car and yeah. throw her on the ground. And, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned
0: with the Rockford files that you know you were given some leeway to give these villains a, a kind of almost satirical uh, Achilles heel uh-huh. because like you know some of those guys at the beginning started were played like that a little bit you know like Paulie Walnuts and stuff but yeah. but as time goes on I know, you I know you got the depth of who who they were
1: and right. where they came from it was it wasn't like that they were like that that was who they were well Paulie Walnuts really w- was is Tony Sirico that yeah we uh, Gandolfini used to call the writers uh vampires uh-huh. because we stole the actors lives <laughs> yeah and put them on the screen now yeah. we never did that with him so yeah it was true with Tony that was true that was really his life his mother well, and everything it, no else? no not the whole thing about his mother wasn't his real mother but yeah 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 yeah, his his fixation on his mother. Right. Um, his fixation on his hair. Yeah. On his mother. Yeah. On his uh, germophobia. Yeah. That was all. <laughs> all that was real. It. That was him. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and when- he had so much. And it turned out he had so much fucking range, really, within that character. Right. Yeah. No,
0: I he got he, there was a uh, when when he when he saw the humanity of that guy. Yeah, was, when it, he saw it when when i saw it uh-huh. i don't know how, when he saw it but when when he got to that place where he was sort of childlike you know yeah. it was kind of amazing i
1: know right i know yeah so
0: with every episode when you're going through this stuff there was was there a constant sense of discovery for you
1: yeah 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 and terry winter i just have to say so you know he brought so much to that show yeah tremendous yeah. amount you, you didn't really you didn't lay out all the seasons at the beginning no, no 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 so you had a you had a room
0: full of writers and you guys were working through yeah 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 exactly and like at towards the i i know that you know people get i, I didn't get i didn't get i never got hung up on the ending i was like this is the way he wants to end it let him end it yeah. what do i give a shit right <laughs> right but did did you get annoyed at that after a certain point after I mean, a certain
1: point yeah I
0: mean, with what, what, what do people want yeah i know
1: <laughs> i mean and stevie told me that yeah. he the next day where was he he was in florida yeah i guess the the entire cast went to florida to some place to watch the last episode yeah and they didn't know how it was going to end oh they didn't No. yeah because we shot some fake endings because people were trying to find out you know we shot an ending that wasn't really the ending. and Yeah. So he was on the radio the next day, a sports show, I think. Van Zandt was? Yeah, yeah. and he was defending it all. He said, and people were fucking cursing and, you know, just downplay it. And it wasn't, he didn't do anything. And um, finally he said, uh, all right, well, okay, what would you do? Okay, yeah. it's your show, now end it. Yeah. And they didn't know what to say, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Did you did you struggle with it? No. No, you knew all along. Yeah. I mean, Chris Albrecht, the uh, head of HBO yeah. at the time, said to me two years out, said, yeah. you better think about ending the show and how you want it to end. Or I never would have, because television never, there was never an ending to yeah. a TV series. Yeah, well, most of the time
0: it was canceled and you just had to yeah. throw
1: one together. Exactly. Yeah. So, Or you never got to do anything. Right, right. It was right. just gone. It was just right. I mean rockford never had an ending <laughs> yeah yeah. Hmm. yeah yeah that's true
0: and so and here you were in this position you'd created this amazing thing that changed the face of television and you actually had control over the ending two yeah. years ahead of the time two, yeah you're like
1: right. you know you're, eventually, you eventually we can't have this go on forever because it's well, not they, a sitcom they, they were not yeah I, I mean i had i wanted to get out and do movies uh. um <laughs> now I'm hot now I can do movies (laughs) that didn't work out that well and um, it's amazing because I'll I will say this yeah that show made that network yeah it did and it made them a huge amount of money yeah but they wanted I think Chris wanted this is enough of that (laughs) yeah I I need to keep this we're costing a lot of money I need to keep some money for research and development for what's going to come after And I think on some level, he was probably always thinking to himself or dreaming at night or waking up with, what's going to come after that? What are we going to do after that? And um, on some level, he probably wanted to get to that. Yeah. Let me face that demon. Sure.
0: Right. What are we going to do post-Sopranos? Yeah. What
1: are we going to do with the whole the mob
0: left? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so you had two years to think about it.
1: Yeah, I did. I had two years to think about it. Probably... Shouldn't have taken two years to think that up, but I'm kidding. Um, you just knew. You just knew. Journey was the answer. Is that how no? You I didn't to... know Journey was the answer. Oh, you didn't? No, no, no. no. The journey. Journey was uh, in pre-production. There was going to be a song at the end. Yeah, he was going to play with the jukebox. Yeah, and uh, I was in the scout van with uh, all the department heads. Yeah, production design. We're looking for locations. Right, and I never had done this before. I said, listen. Um, I'm going to talk about three songs that I want thinking about for ending uh, the show. And they were like, he's asking us. Why? Yeah. And <laughs> right. One of them was Al Green. What the hell's the name of that song? Love and Happiness. Love and Happiness. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. The, sec- the second one I don't remember and the Journey song. Right. Don't Stop Believing. they went, yep. oh, Jesus Christ. No, don't do that. Right. Oh fuck. And I said, "Well, I guess that's it. That's the one." Yeah. But I, I wasn't I wasn't saying that because just to throw it in their face. Yeah. I just thought that was kind of my favorite. And I just thought it got a reaction of some kind. So uh, <laughs> I can make this song lovable. Um yeah, right. Which it was, you know, sure. it, it had been. Yeah. Um anyway, did you direct that last episode? Yeah. So
0: you were aware of? You created attention there, knowing you know that the the end was just going to be them eating. Yeah. That,
1: so you. Yeah. 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 The parking the car. And, yeah. Why <laughs> not? It must have been just so fucking. It was fun. It was. It, it must well, have I been say it was thrilling. Fun. Yeah. You know, uh,
0: knowing doing it, knowing where you were going.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, when I say it was fun, I don't know what, I have an aversion, and Mm. I think a lot of people do in in, in the movie and TV business, to saying it was really fun. Yeah. It has to seem deeper than that, or, but it was really fun. The whole thing or that episode? The whole thing. Yeah. I mean, there's some bad times, but the whole thing. And And that that episode particularly, yeah. Yeah. Like, in in the course
0: of it, when you look back on it, and having not known where it was all going to go, really you know what are you proudest of about in in in, in that in terms of creatively
1: hmm
0: like is it the way that uh, uh, what's that guy's name Frank Vincent is it Frank Vincent Vincent. was it the way he died
1: that's you gotta be pretty proud of that I was pretty I was pretty proud of that (laughs) now that you mention it yeah I was pretty proud of that so was that so seriously is that my whole thing is just just uh, creating shit um, where people are gonna go oh my god is that my 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 whole impulse I don't think so no no I I, but I do think like uh, I did like that (laughs) right (laughs) <laughs> and the little kids bounced up and down. When I remember to say, "I must say, you're now you're making me brag about it and re- relive it." I, yeah. It was it was fucking yeah. great. People couldn't believe it. It was fucking
0: great. No, I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think that's your whole thing to shock people. I, I think that you know
1: it isn't. It no, really is not. Of course
0: not. No, I mean, I, you know, I would never assume that because. You never thought, like, you know, this guy's just doing this to, you know, to blow our minds with shock bullshit. It was just like you you humanized these guys who did horrible things, Well, and that's that.
1: Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, and, I, you know, there were four or five other writers in the room with yeah, me yeah. Um, who would not have let that be just a shock. No. In fact— some of them I had to talk out of that. They don't, yeah. don't you know, just right. I remember Chris Albrecht said yeah. to me when we started, when yeah. we did the pilot, mm. and um, we had the Bada Bing and, you know, topless dancers, yeah. which are against the law in New Jersey. And he said, let's not do something because we, just because we can. And I thought, well, that's pretty smart. Mm. I mean, I never heard a network guy be that intelligent. Right. Well, I mean, he was, you know, it was HBO, right? Yeah, but I mean, it that was i always had that's a really good way to go about it yeah yeah and it,
0: it worked out beautifully now d so you still seem a little mad that you didn't do more movies
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah
0: and do you, you uh, what this movie now what ha- you were supposed to direct it
1: i was yeah what happened well, was a, illnesses in the family oh sorry but you were there the whole time huh yeah yeah 90 percent
0: what When when you really thought about making race an element, was that a, 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 some sort of reaction to the, the times we're living in now, or was that always part of the story for you?
1: That was always part of the story. Um, the times we're living in now—this is easy for a white person to say, I guess—started yeah. after we were finished principal photography. George Floyd, that happened after uh-huh. we, were, we were done. Yeah. And we were fighting with this movie which wasn't really working for me. Yeah. Why? Eh, just could have been better. I don't know. It was uh, when you were shooting it? No. Oh We, we, right. were, we were finished shooting. Oh finished shooting yeah. during the editing process. Oh, okay. And a lot of people found it confusing. I mean, you know, we had test audience. Sure. And they didn't know they didn't know whether they were supposed to be picking out people. Oh, that's Silvio or that. yeah. So that was confused and they couldn't follow the story because of that. Um and anyway, so we did another 15 pages after after George Floyd and we didn't change any of that. Yeah. None of the racial stuff was changed. Now, there was a thing with the Sopranos where yeah. um it seemed like for a long time maybe the whole time now I know there were some bad episodes and some good episodes Mm -hmm. but even the bad ones I I feel are pretty good yeah but we couldn't put a foot wrong for some reason I don't know what that means and it's not about my talent or anybody's talent something I know this sounds weird something was guiding something yeah and it became so successful yeah at the same time we would put things in the show and then it would happen two weeks later in the real world. That happened again with the movie. Oh, I see, yeah. We made a movie. We'd made a movie about racial tension and yeah. um and uh anti black feelings. Yeah. And we shut down and lo and behold Everybody says, "How did you know this was? Right. Did you rewrote this after the after George Floyd?" And we right. say, "No." Yeah. So that yeah. happened all the time with the show, and yeah. I, I don't. We're, I'm not taking any credit for it. I never understood it, but yeah. it did happen.
0: Yeah, I mean that whole narrative, that whole part of it, like historically, and 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 just also the 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 kind of standoff between those communities was, uh, uh, yeah. but, and also the way they worked together. I, I, I mean, it's stuff I didn't really know about. It was, mm-hmm. it, it, was it was great, and Re- Ray Liotta was great. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. What now? What about? Can we talk about that device? Or you don't? No, want I don't want to. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. But you did, when you uh, uh, enlisted him to do the job,
1: you hadn't worked with him before, had you? No, I tried. We tried to work. I I went to see him on location in Virginia to get him to play the part of to ask him to play the part yeah. of, of Ralphie, which is what. Joe right. Plante leono ultimately oh played. My God, I can't see anyone else doing that. I know. I mean, I, I know.
0: I mean, I could see how Ray could have done it. Oh but yeah, Joey Pants was unbelievable. Ooh, shit, unbelievable. Wow. I know. <laughs> I know. It. Just talking to that guy is unbelievable. I, know. I interviewed him on Zoom during the pandemic. He's like, "What's going on?" You know, he's like, <laughs> he's,
1: he's just Joey Pants, man. Yeah. And
0: he's such a lit up
1: guy. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. Oh, he's amazing. And and the best part of it for me was the last episode he was in i guess after his movie son got shot with the arrow and oh, yeah. was in the hospital yeah. and was you know was never going to be the same anymore there was a there was a whole different ralphie i mean yeah. you just saw ralphie br- really be destroyed yeah and he did that so, and you felt really bad for him this asshole yeah right yeah right did you, like, do you love uh,
0: working with these actors? I mean, that was your fear uh, initially uh, yeah. about directing. And, yeah, And, and right. then you got this amazing opportunity to work with such a big variety of no, actors. No, I, yes, I really enjoyed it, yeah. It's, I really enjoyed it. It must have been just sort of astounding, like, every
1: every every episode. Well, I'd lost my fear of that a while, be, a while before that. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, I worked with Sam Waterston, and it was incredible. And, um, but anyway, yeah, I... I I lost it after a while. Sure, sure. What'd you work with Waterston on? It was a show called I'll Fly Away. Oh, yeah? It was a ra- show about race. Oh, yeah. About a white lawyer. It was based on, or cribbed from, I don't know yeah. how you want to put it, from Atticus Finch. What was it?
0: Yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird? Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. I get it. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, now, are you happy with the movie? Oh, yeah. Okay. I am. Good. Thank God. I am. I am. It's a relief, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, who knows? I mean yeah there's there's so much excitement about it that i can't believe i just can't believe it um yeah i was i was excited to see it and 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 i and i loved it you saw it in
0: a theater i did yeah i saw it over at on the lot a small theater but it was definitely a theater Mm -hmm. it was actually not so small it was a big screening room what's the what's the studio because i must Warner warner Brothers. yeah i went over to warner brothers and it was in their big room oh so is it they you know there's they have smaller ones that are like you know with but this was a full theater. Mm-hmm. No one was in it. It was me right. and Elvis oh, Mitchell I, and somebody I know. else.
1: Yeah, I know the one you mean. Yeah, it's nice. I saw Enter the Dragon there in 1971. <laughs> My Is agent got me in to see that at night. Oh, really? Yeah, at that screening room. I think I was the only person in there. That's great. Yeah.
0: Was that exciting to oh, see? Oh, of course
1: it was. Oh, shit. Man. <laughs> Enter
0: the Dragon. Yeah. Uh, so now, do you got a few uh, movies in the pipe now
1: or what? Well... I have a screenplay. Mm. That's what I got. Okay. And we also have a pilot. I mean the last 3 or 4 months have been just uh, I never went through this at the other movie yeah. I made. It's just been crazy. Just Oh people love the supernatural. Press and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: How how's the reaction to it? I guess no one's has anyone uh, written about it yet When's it open. Well, they
1: have these they have these things called uh, the um things called toe dip screenings. Yeah. In which they have people like yourself. Yeah. And journalists yeah come and see it in a movie theater and I or at home. And I just said no, we're not going to show it to people at their house. They have to go see it. Yeah. And it's been pretty good. I mean, really overwhelming. Oh, good. But that's those aren't Joe Sixpack of the people he used to say at Universe. I love the kid. I mean, Gandolfini's kid did a great job. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. He really did. He really looks like him.
0: I know. See, yeah. all right.
1: Oh, he's great! Yeah. Oh, good! Yeah,
0: all right, man. Well, I'm glad we talked. Okay, and I'm glad you got. I'm glad you're finally making movies.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I want to. You know, what have I got? What? Who knows? Yeah. Maybe one more, two more. Yeah. You know.
0: but you're relatively uh, happy.
1: Um, I had ketamine yesterday. Yeah, a small dose. Uh, nasal dose uh-huh. that was good
0: it was the first time yeah so what you still will you still fight depression yeah mm.
1: my wife isn't well so and yeah. really it that's, makes it that's, hard. and yeah. we've been married for we met in high school oh that's terrible I'm so, sorry buddy well yeah, thank you yeah uh, anyway meant the ketamine worked a little bit well I mean I have to go for more before I know that it actually worked it worked while it was in my blood system for sure yeah uh, and then, I think so. Yeah. I think it's working. Has this
0: been a lifelong struggle? No.
1: Depression? No. Um, maybe. Well, maybe adulthood. Maybe mm. from maybe from my 20s on. Oh, yeah. I don't remember being that's, depressed. Well, I would say at your 15. age, that's a lifelong struggle. Yeah. From 20s. Yeah. 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 I guess it has been, yeah.
0: But just uh, like medication
1: sometimes or usually? Oh, no. I mean, something. I didn't have any. I never went on anything until... I guess the 80s. Huh. I went on some old-fashioned antidepressant. Oh yeah. But you know what? I've talked too much about this depression shit. Yeah. I really have. It's like yeah. it's just part of my life and Sure. Um, yeah. It's not the whole the whole story. No, it's just
0: but as long as you, you know You don't
1: you don't you don't get depressed
0: i used to think it was depression but i think i suffer more from uh, uh dread and anxiety there's a this combination of dread and anxiety that becomes overwhelming and it kind of feels like depression but it's really mm-hmm. anxiety like i don't think i have like clinical depression my father did but i don't think really I, uh, yeah uh yeah he did what yeah. were some of his symptoms he would just be paralyzed uh, with sadness um, and couldn't get out of bed for periods of time. Mm, I haven't got, no. And, uh, like, and he would, you know, he would, uh, suicidal ideation. And he was slightly bipolar. So, like, you know, he'd he'd then go into manias, you know, and he'd try all different ways to to manage it. But it it seemed to level off at some point. I don't know what happened. He got old, but... uh, You know, but it was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, you you can see it in their eyes, you know, when they're depressed. But then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I bought a Porsche, you know, and then, oh, "Oh, here we go. (laughs) Good. Good for him. (laughs) Well, they love the mania, but, you know, they drag everyone through the mania, and they never think they're going to get
1: depressed again. So they don't stay on their medication. Yeah, that's amazing. There's very little I know about that disease. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I saw, I listened to, on the way up here, I listened to your uh, podcast with, um, Quentin Tarantino. It was really good. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I kept. We we stayed focused.
0: You know, I mean, with him, it, you want to have a conversation and not yeah. just have a thing where he just goes. And we, you know, I think we had a nice uh, yeah. a nice little arc to a nice engagement. Well, it was I interesting enjoyed hearing
1: about his stepfather. Or, oh yeah, yeah was,
0: right. Oh yeah, that was good stories. And yeah. that
1: that what is the name of that book? Uh, that Once called? upon a time in Hollywood. I got yeah. I got to get that. Well, did you see the movie?
0: Yeah. Did you love it? Yeah. Well, the book's great. I mean, it's a good time.
1: I mean, my wife and I you know in our very early 20s yeah. got to hollywood a year after the Manson murders uh-huh so and then i then i was working on the rockford files so that whole thing about the tv show mm. and uh those actors yeah. and those stuntmen yeah oh my god it, i loved it you knew those guys i did yeah man. and he uh-huh. did he... especially you know garner that he was a cowboy yeah guy, you know what was it maverick Maverick, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and but you like did they, Quentin get it right? Yeah, 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 yeah. They really did. Yeah, oh, it was fun. I really, really liked it. Yeah. Oh God, DiCaprio is too much, man. Yeah. It's just like
0: he's something else, man. That guy. Yeah. Everyone was good. Yeah, the book is fun, and you weren't. You know, he goes more in depth with the, with all the characters. So, and you already got the characters
1: in your head, so it just gives this whole other oh. world to what you already wow. saw. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like the end. I thought the ending was great. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, great talking. All there, right.
0: man. He is heavy, right? He's heavy. He's got the heaviness, as Dangerfield used to call it, the heaviness. The Many Saints of Newark opens in theaters Friday, October first, and it will also be streaming on HBO Max. Go to WTFpod.com/tour. For the remaining dates, also go to wtfpod.com slash merch for stuff. Okay. Here's some heavy guitar. I'm doing the heaviness. The heaviness.